not only are you dealing with the virus that's spreading, and then not only are you thinking about the economic meltdown that might come in two months, but now I'm dealing with the news of racist attacks. Like it's really sad to see all this news happen over and over in different parts of the country. It's not just New York. It's not just San Francisco. It's not just, you know, it's like all these cities and towns, no matter how diverse those states are. So it's really sad to see that people are, I I don't know, like taking advantage of this, like using that as an excuse to attack someone, to place the blame I don't know. It's really sad when you shouldn't even be outside. You shouldn't even be near anybody. But yet, yeah, it's sad to see all these videos and news that people are just getting yelled at, cursed at. People get punched, robbed. Like, it's crazy out there. So it's a lot to deal with. But I think the more I can use my platform to share this news, I mean, there's only so much I can do, but to share it to let other people know what's happening. Welcome back to NYC Local Guides. I am your host, Jennifer O'Brien, and I interview New Yorkers from creatives to CEOs and everyone in between. For more NYC resources like ebooks and videos, visit nyclocalguides.com. If you've ever wondered what it takes to be a New Yorker or just want to hear some crazy stories, keep listening. This is a Brooklyn bound two express train. The next stop is. Leo Chan of Levitate Style is a men's fashion and travel content creator who was born in Hong Kong and moved to New York City when he was 10 years old. He worked in corporate banking for four years before he and his girlfriend Alicia both quit their jobs to work on a sponsorship project where they travel the world on a cruise for five months. From reading GQ growing up to being featured in GQ, Leo is one of the smartest and kindest influencers I know. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. I love that intro. Oh, yay. I'm so glad. <laughs> I, it was fun to research. You've done so many cool things. Thank you. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Yes. And just so that you know, this interview will kick off season two of my podcast with three sections where I'll start with questions about you, your journey, and then the lightning round will grill you on all your favorite New York City things. And then lastly, we have a new section where I will ask you questions about the current pandemic and the impact on travel and New York City. Amazing. Sounds good. Congrats on season two. This is awesome. Thank you. I agree. I'm having so much fun with this podcast. Like I love talking, so it's easy. <laughs> yeah, this is fun. Let's let's yeah. yeah, let's let's get into it. Awesome. Let's do it. Okay, great. So question number one. Mm-hmm. Do you consider yourself a New Yorker? Oh, for sure. So like you said, I'm born and raised in Hong Kong, but I've moved to Queens near a city since I was ten years old. So I, you know, I did my elementary school, junior high, high school, all of that here. Um, I've really been here for such a long time. And I think it's always funny because there's so many New Yorkers here. And I went to a high school that had like 4,000, 5,000 kids. But yet when I go to all these like fashion, travel, influencer events, a lot of the people in this industry, they're all from out of town, out of state. So that's always fascinating to me. Yeah, totally. And so how do you define a New Yorker? Uh, Well, uh, let's see. Um, To me, a New Yorker is is like really street smart. I think like they they, they hustle hard. They they do what it takes. You know, they they just have that tough skin. Um, Well, when when I meet a lot of my friends and a lot of new people, they always say, I don't know, what, the 10-year rule? 
Um, yeah. So I guess that's true. <laughs> ten years is a long time to be anywhere. So, so um, true. I yeah. think ten years is a good rule. <laughs> <laughs> totally. I, I, and I even say like 10 years is, it's a whole, it's a lot of time. So you don't even have to be 10 years. I like to say it's like the experiences. Um, did you have any like crystallizing moments or experiences where you were like, yep, I'm officially a New Yorker? Um, yeah, for sure. I mean, okay. Like in a way you can't really talk about being a New Yorker and being New York without bringing up 9-11. And, yeah. you know, obviously that's very sad and I was here for it. And that's one of those moments where whenever we think about that day every year, I can say, you know, I was here during that time. And that's like, you know, that's one of those like crazy New Yorker moment. Um, other things, I mean, just like I, I lived in Queens, but I went to high school in Brooklyn Mm-hmm. So I was commuting every day for school and that took me like an hour and a half each way, you know, bus and the train. So like for me as a New Yorker, like I just remember like spending all that time on the subway all the time. Um, but yeah, I, I would say those two are like the big moments like growing up in the city. Awesome. And so where were you during 9-11? So oh, 9-11, I think I was only like maybe 11 or 12 so I was only in like sixth grade at the time. Um, I remember it was crazy because that day I actually had to take my grandma to the doctors and we had to take like two trains to get there. Um, and I remember like it was what, like nine o'clock in the morning. We're on the seven train, you know, because the seven train has service with the with the cell phone. And I remember everyone out of nowhere was checking their phones and then... The train was just like, oh, you know, we got to stop. It's not a service. You guys have to get off the train. And I thought, okay, thanks, MTA. You know, <laughs> you know, I thought it was just like a regular train thing where it's not working. Get off. Wait for the next one or whatever. Everyone got off and they were just like, everything is shut down. Like, figure it out. And I was just like, okay, I'm 12 years old. So I walked my poor grandma. It was probably like another like an hour walk. And we finally walked to Flushing. And we get there and like, Everyone is outside, and this is like in the middle of the day. So I was just like, it was a little confusing. We get to the doctors, and the doctor was like, uh, "Have you not seen the news?" And I was like, "No." Like back then, we didn't have smartphone. Uh, we didn't have smartphones, right? Yeah. So it's not like you can just check the news, and like nobody was actually. I don't think I even had a phone. But I don't remember if I had a phone back then. But you know, it wasn't like I, I can check my texts or anything. So I get to the doctor, and they're like, "Uh, something happened. You got to go home." So then I remember, like, my mom was like, "Um." just take a taxi home because we were like waiting for the bus. It was just not, you know, all the public transit was not working. Um, yeah. And I remember like, okay, 12 year old kid ordering a taxi to go home. That was like a luxury. But then we realized what the heck happened. Um, but that's what I remember as a kid. Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> pretty such crazy. a hard day. It's just crazy. Um, and then, so do you think, do you consider New York city good for creatives? Yeah. I think of, any city in the country, I think New York City is definitely one of the most forward when it comes to creative, when it comes to fashion, when it comes to travel. There's just so much creative energy here because we're one of those city, we're one of those major metropolitan city in the world that the rest of the world look up to, I think. So it's like whatever we come up with here, other cities will then copy and do the same so if you think about like i don't know like 
a cool cafe or a cool uh, cat cafe or, you know, like those, those, those kind of retail ideas. If it goes really well here or what goes viral here, it'll probably trickle down to the smaller cities. And as a creative, I mean, it's just to me, it's probably the most diverse, energetic city in the world. And just waking up to the city every day is very motivating. Awesome. I love that. And so what was it like to grow up as an immigrant here in New York? But growing up as an immigrant is very different. Uh, I think growing up as an immigrant, like, because it's so diverse, it was nice in a way because then it was like growing up in such a diversity with so many minorities, you understand that like, okay, like we're all in this together. We're all in this lower middle class trying to make it happen, trying to, you know, I don't know, get to college or get a good job, right? And, like, when I first came to America, I was in, like, ESL class. So, like, my class was, like, we had Russians, we had Black, Latino, like, everybody. It was so mixed. And I really, like, look back at that and just thought, like, this is New York City right here. All these different immigrants, and we're all in the same class together. And I think, like, growing up with such diversity made me appreciate all different cultures and as you grow up you also realize just there's just so many diverse neighborhoods and like authentic cuisine as well um so that's what it was like growing up with like with all these people awesome and then did you have any obstacles and what how did you overcome those obstacles yeah i mean when it comes to diversity too i think like with 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 kids you know they tend to bully each other as well um so as the asian community too it's like we tend to get bullied quite a bit um so i think like growing up i definitely had some fights with kids but i look back at it not so much as like a race thing but just as you know kids are being kids like kids are dumb like they like to pick fights and they like to have different reasons for it um but yeah growing up like i think language was definitely an obstacle just like working hard and getting over that and then getting into the right school things like that but then with like the immigrant asian expectation i think was study hard do well in school so for me growing up creative was never an option you know i it was never mentioned like oh yeah do this hobby for fun or like try this. They're just like, no, study, work hard. You know, that that's always like their model. <laughs> and so I think like growing up for me, then I realized, cause I was the first in my family to go to college. I just realized like, okay, like if I'm going to college and we're spending all this effort to get here, um, I need to study something that I can get a job out of college. Well, I mean, that's the whole point, right? Like to me, it's like, oh, you go to college to get a job. So even though I didn't love accounting, I end up studying accounting because, you know, this is accounting business, probably like the best way to go and guarantee a job out of school. So that's what I did, even though I like barely passed and I didn't love it. But then I got to work at Morgan Stanley and Barclays working in like investigations and fraud compliance. So I was working there for like four or five years. Very cool. And so how did you transition from that to working now for yourself? Yeah. So, um, and, and, and that, that, that always surprised people. Cause like, you know, if you look on my Instagram page, it's like all fashion and travel and like mm-hmm. no one would ever guess I used to work in finance. Um, 
But since since high school, I've always loved photography. So I had some friends that were into it, and I'm like, okay, like this is interesting. So I started like carrying a camera on me every day, and this was like before smartphones had cameras. So like you actually had to carry like a small point and shoot. So I would carry that with me every day going to school, but I would just take photos of things that interest me. And that made me very like observant. So then I was like noticing different things, noticing angles, noticing like different pops of colors in everyday like cityscape. And Mm -hmm. that was just like a hobby though, you know, just like something fun to do. I never thought it would be like a job, but I kept it up just as like a hobby, as an interest. And then over time, growing up in New York City, just like the street style in New York City and then obviously working in finance. So I had to learn how to dress sharp, how to wear suits. So then I always had the love for fashion. And then after I started working, I had vacation days. So that's when I really started to travel with my girlfriend, Alicia. And then I really love traveling because, you know, growing up in New York City is already so beautiful and amazing. And then you go to a whole other city. And our first city was um, in Rome and Florence and Italy. So that was just like eye-opening going there when I was like, 22 or 23 my first european trip and i thought that was just amazing so just like fell in love with traveling obviously with the whole photography so all the passion and interest were there while i'm stuck at work nine to five (laughs) at the finance job and this is when alicia was like okay hey look at these girl bloggers like crushing it on instagram and this is like six years ago Mm -hmm. and i'm like okay you know instagram is another platform i gotta post my photos (laughs) <laughs> I'm, I'm already busy on Facebook, but then we noticed like, yeah, like these, these girl bloggers, a lot of the fashion ones, especially, um, we were already kind of doing that. Like we were taking a lot of photos. We take photos of our outfits when it looks nice, you know, back, back then it was just for Facebook profile. Um, <laughs> and so yeah. we, we kind of noticed what the girls were doing in the market. And I don't know, I noticed only like a handful of menswear bloggers. Yeah. So I'm okay, like there's only like 10 or 15, maybe there's room for me to grow. I can like get into this. There's a market fit and there's not really any Asian representation. So with all of the passion and interest and also the market fit, we're like, screw it. Let's let's, let's start a blog. Like let's learn how to do this thing. And yeah, we literally just went to a cafe, Googled how to start a blog, YouTube, you know, how to start a fashion blog. And that's how we started. And um, then we really just like hustled on the weekend, shooting content, building content for the blog. And then during the weekday after work, we would go and network at events to, you know, meet new people and learn how this industry worked. Awesome. And then why, why did you call it Levitate Style? Yeah, that's a great uh, question. There's a lot of uh, branding reasons behind it. Uh, number one, I wanted to pick a word that people are not used to. Mm-hmm. So back then, with especially fashion blogs, there's a lot of like men's fashion posts, men's style blog. You know, like it's just like okay. very similar. So yeah. I wanted to pick a word, a name that is hard to pronounce, because I think back to branding when when. I think back, I think it was like interview with like Oprah or someone like that where the name is very different, right? But guess what? People will remember it. If people have a hard time spelling it or pronouncing it, they're going to remember it even more. And so I was thinking about that. And then Levitate, uh, you know, my, my first name is Leo. So I wanted to pick a word that had to start with L. 
So it's like similar. And Levitate also, when I was looking through like photos that I've taken over the years, I remember some of the levitating shots that I've taken. And I thought that was like very unique and different and fun. And it's also like a signature pose I can do all over the world. Like I can go to Rome and like do like a levitating shot. I can go to China, do a levitating shot. So it's just like, okay. So all those reasons combined, that's when I picked the word, uh, picked the blog name Levitate Style. Awesome. And so that shot where you're sort of, it looks like you're floating, your your toes are kind of pointed. How do you, do you have any tips of how do you get that shot? Okay. Um, it's actually really simple because I've had friends like see me shoot that shot in person and they're always just like, whoa, whoa, that's it? I'm like, I mean, yeah, I just jump in the air. But I think the most important thing is you're actually, the hardest thing is your face. You have to control your jumping face because when you think about jumping, when you jump, your your face tend to make you know a face because you're doing a physical activity, but your face has to be very relaxed. And then you can work on different things like your arms and your legs should be elegant per se, uh, or it can still be it can still be like a pose. So think if you're doing like a fashion pose or just like a travel pose where you're like walking. So pretend like you're walking in the air. So if your hand is a certain way, your legs a certain way, and then jump and then point your toes out. <laughs> I like it. No, that's super helpful. I, I hope think that's helpful. That, it is. No, it's it's a very tricky pose that I think I've tried before, but I'm gonna have to keep practicing because you you've done it so well. <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> yes. And then do you feel like you could have started Levitate style in any other city if you weren't in New York City? Um I think anybody can start anything anywhere, but mm-hmm. I think for the amount of success and how fast we've gotten there, New York City is definitely the city for it. Um, just just the amount of networking you can do here. I mean, New York City is definitely a fashion capital. A fashion, the fashion industry is here, you know? Just think about like New York Fashion Week is here. And just there's almost like three to four events a night in New York City. Yeah. And so in the beginning, of course, like I didn't know anybody. So I just like reach out to PR companies, get on the mailing list. But once you go to one event, you network, you can get to another event. And honestly, within a year, you can meet a good amount of people in the different marketing companies and different brands. And that is a really fast way to network and meet people. And New York City is just so easy to do it because there's so many things happening all the time. I totally agree. And so you do so many different things. When people ask you, what do you do? How do you answer that? Uh, I think at first it's kind of, I think at first it was definitely tricky because when you say blogger, people automatically assume a blog. And over the years, that has really transitioned to influencer. Mm-hmm. And an influencer now has taken a bad rap with that name. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think now I really say confidently that I'm a fashion, I'm a men's fashion and travel influencer because of both industries that I do a lot of work in. But yeah. over the years, like thankfully, over the, over the years, thankfully, I do have a lot of interest in different things like lifestyle brands, um, hair, grooming cars, I mean, all kinds of brands that I'm interested in. So I've really diversified my interests and my work. So even though like fashion and travel is definitely more the bread and butter, I also work with 
brands across all spectrum. That's great. Um, and then what is a piece of advice that you wish someone told you when you were first starting? I wish someone would tell me over and over there is no overnight success. <laughs> yes, I, I think in the beginning, <laughs> I, I think like anyone that, I, <laughs> I think just thinking back, like, I think, okay, great. Like, I'm so different <laughs> from, from, from everyone. Like, oh, this is going to be the best thing. But no, like, there's no one out there is an overnight success because you don't see the hours of work that they had to build a connection or build a relationship or all the years they spent on different platforms like Tumblr and Lookbook and their blogs, you know, like looking back now, like people, a lot of influencers now don't even have a website or a blog, right? But for a lot of people that started five years ago, that was essential. Like that was at least 75%, 50% of my work back then. So just like looking back at how much platforms in this influencer world has changed, um, there's no openness success. Like you have to really be consistent and build quality of work over time. So that would, you know, that's, that's what I would say. And, um, you know, it's just, it's just been amazing. Like how much we've accomplished in just five years looking back. So very thankful. (laughs) Yes. No, you've done so much. And any other advice for uh, people who are looking to transition from full-time to full-time blog, Instagram, influencer space? I mean, I, I think right now, more than ever, you really have to diversify. You yeah. have to try podcasts. You have to get on TikTok. You have to try YouTube. There's no, in a way, like the Instagram influencer bubble if you will it's already uh it's already like really full um and you have to think about as a business right like if you're being serious about influencer marketing and being an influencer if this is a job then you have to look at it as a real job and look at the job market just think about how many positions are there how many are filled and um so in that sense, like, and another example I like to give people is think about company, Uber, right? Uber, when years ago, when they first started, of course, they're number one. It's only themselves. But now you have a handful of other rideshare apps, right? So they have a lot of more competition now. So it's the same thing influencer. There's a lot of influencers out there now, a lot compared to five years ago. So you have to really find a niche, like what you do differently, what you can offer differently. But of course, you have to keep up the same quality of work. So, you know, it's, it's definitely more tricky, but you also have other platforms that can help you get to the numbers, right? Like um, TikTok is a huge way to grow right now because there's so many ways to get viral and be on the explore page. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then you have YouTube, like YouTube, there's even though YouTube has been around for so long, there's still a lot of YouTube channels that don't cover things like influencer marketing or, you know, certain content creation that YouTube does not have everything yet. So, you know, it's, it's, it's hard. It's, it's hard to like pinpoint exactly like what can work, but you have to try different things to see what sticks. Yeah, you've read my mind. My next, <laughs> some of my next questions are TikTok. Um, yeah, so also what, what happens if Instagram is gone tomorrow? Exactly. And I think like every time Instagram rolls out a new update and every time Instagram messes with your algorithm, that yeah. is such a sign for me to be like, okay, uh, I'm going to spend 
20% more of my effort on YouTube, 20% more of my effort on TikTok. And just as a content creator, for me on TikTok, I have not done any of the funny dances at all. Um, and I'm proud to say that. I, yes, we're still correct on our TikTok. <laughs> I wanted to keep true to my brand, true to myself. You know, I'm not a good dancer. I'm not like a funny, <laughs> funny guy like that. You know, but I still wanted to post fashion and travel content. Yeah. So, and still keeping up with the trend. I wouldn't even say I've been going that hard at it. I go consistent. And yeah. in like three, four months, I've gotten 30,000. And so yeah. there's a lot of room to grow on there. And I believe the app, if you compare it to Instagram as well, TikTok has really matured in just six months. Six yeah. months ago, there is not that much fashion content. But now, guess what? A lot of influencers on there are killing it with fashion. A lot of influencers are killing it on travel. Because now the audience are like, oh, there's all the great content on here. It's not just the funny dances. So they're already consuming other types of content. And that's how you have to look at the platform. So where would you like to be in 10 years? Like like picturing like what apartment, what type of, what does your brand look like? And what does your life look like? 10 years, man. Yeah. <laughs> that's always such a hard question to answer because like even five years ago, I could never imagine any of this. And yeah. I think... Sometimes I look back at my immigrant journey, right? And as someone in the Asian community, you know, the American dream for me was already get a good corporate staple job. That was like the ceiling for me. And I've hit that mark already. So honestly, like anything from this point onward has already been like just another like, honestly, like just truly like humbling experience to go another step further so like looking back is already amazing like I, i'm already very thankful like this past year we moved to a nice luxury apartment in dumbo um in the past we lived in astoria in like a pre-war apartment you know but like we noticed like for our businesses like we wanted to have an apartment that has a doorman for our packages and like a lounge to work in and yeah. obviously can shoot a lot of content in dumbo um so i'm already very thankful for all that um so in 10 years I don't know. I would love to keep building my brand. I would love to do more public speaking because I think my story going from immigrant to influencer and finance to fashion can really inspire others. And I would love to do more um, maybe speaking in conferences and panels. Um, I, for fashion-wise, I would love to start a collection. Awesome. In 10 years, I would love, love to collaborate with Jordan. Um, that's just one of my favorite sneaker brands growing yeah. up. And I think that is just one of the, I mean, like to, to, to make a sneaker with Jordan would just be a dream come true. <laughs> that is so epic. You're again, reading my mind. My, next, big now. <laughs> <laughs> my next question is what is your dream client? And like, that's a perfect one. I, I would love, I can't wait to see that happen. <laughs> Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I mean, crazier things have happened. So, you know, that, that you know, so we'll, we'll see. You never know these days. Yeah, you, you really don't. Like, it's whoever you meet at the next happy hour, whatever, could be that person that connects you. It'd be so cool. And how do you select brands that you want to work with? And how do you stay true to your brand and say no to certain brands? Yeah, that, that's a great, uh, that's a great question. Let's see. 
I mean, just like knowing your personal brand and your style. So on the fashion standpoint, for example, I do not work with brands like Crocs and like Uggs just because uh, it doesn't really (laughs) fit my style Um, unless it's something completely new and actually works. Um, To me, it's just uh, I I have to know where my personal branding is. so yeah. if I did that, it just does not come across as authentic and it would not work. I would not want to just do it just because, oh, hey, I want to make a few bucks here. Another yeah. thing is um, I don't smoke. I've never smoked. So mm-hmm. I would not promote smoking cigarettes, you know, things like that. And especially something that's harmful to your health. I would not yeah. do that. And, and And I'm speaking also from experience that I have had opportunities to do so. And I said no. So, you know, it's not just like, oh, you know, what if, you know, it's, this has actually happened to me. And then for travel, um, this actually, this is another recent one. It was um, tourism for this country. And honestly, the budget was good. <laughs> and but we had to be like, OK, sure, the budget is good. But what does that mean if you go and promote this country? What does yeah. it mean that you promote, you know, tourism? You're you're saying that this country is safe. You're saying that this government is has basic human rights. You know this is not this is not it. And so you have to look at that and say I'm gonna make my money elsewhere, and I can, but I'm not going to do this campaign and like have a backlash. And you know like you're essentially showing people that you care about money over anything else. And it's just not the right thing to do. Um, and so that was that. I think that's like three really good examples. Um, yeah, <laughs> those are perfect examples, and I really yeah. appreciate that because there are so many, unfortunately, that that will say yes to things that are just like they can sort of make it work, but they might not necessarily agree with the the exactly the the messaging behind going to a certain place or promoting something that they do not agree with for their own health. Um, so I'm just so glad to hear when you're right. You're just thinking about what makes sense first and Mm -hmm. wouldn't recommend anything else. I mean, like money is important, but money isn't everything. Agreed. And if you're great at what you do, if you're important in this industry, you will stand up for what's right and you can make your money elsewhere. You know, take it up as a loss and just work hard on two other campaigns, three other campaigns. Um, But yeah, that that was definitely a decision back in like November, December, where we're like, no way. (laughs) Um, Just that is not right. So (laughs) yeah, no, I agree. I think I'm so glad to hear it. And I also I heard that you have a manager and I wanted to ask, how did you get a manager and and what do you like about working with a manager versus not? Yeah, so I'm lucky enough to have signed. I've been signed by agency for like four years now. Awesome. And um, this is early on when the agency was basically looking to sign most of the menswear bloggers. Mm-hmm. I think because the female bloggers, the industry was already, there, there were already so many female bloggers out there and they were already signed. And then they noticed the rise of the menswear bloggers and the campaigns they were getting. So a really smart move on my agency's part to sign a lot of the menswear guys. And it also helps because then like a lot of the guys know each other. It's a really small industry. Yeah. So when you have a lot of guys that know each other and we're working on similar campaigns, it's a lot easier for brands and managers to negotiate rates 
because say so and so has three hundred thousand and he's getting this amount of money. Well, then by comparison wise, my guy at a hundred thousand should make this much money. You know, and like so then you don't have one person doing so much more work than another person. You know, it 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 should all be at a relative reasonable good business rate agreed so that's the advantage for early on for my manager to negotiate my rate because they can say oh hey you know back in march when you did this campaign with my guy this video was x amount of money well if you want to work with this guy now this is x amount of money so it it gives you a lot of leverage obviously they have a lot of network and they know how to negotiate with managers and it's very honestly like it is scary to negotiate on your own because you you don't know <laughs> when they yes. when when they're gonna say no when they're gonna just stop emailing you. Uh, it is scary, and so I always highly recommend if you can have a middle person, have a manager fight for you because you know it's 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 a real business. And if you think about it as like um, show business, like entertainment business, where they have managers, mm-hmm. that manager is the one that's fighting for the client without getting personal. I think when you negotiate rates, it can get, it, it could get personal because, you know, maybe you are friends with the PR manager, but then you're fighting over money, you know? So I think having a manager does help a lot because it breaks down the influencer part of the business down to business, you know? Okay, this is the one Instagram pose. You want a carousel, you want exclusivity, you want story. Like these all come down to different pricing. Yeah. And then having my managing team, helps me just like going through contracts to make sure that you know the usage rights for example that my photos are going to be in Times square uh, yeah. you know it's just going to be on instagram and lives on social media cross promotion things like that you know obviously you want to make sure you're covered as an influencer because it can yeah. get very big these campaigns yeah and then anything sense. from like attending events things like that there's just so many different things brands could want and you want to protect yourself um and you know you want to have a good campaign so it helps to have the manager help me with all those things so smart and how do you balance everything um you know work and life and also uh balance working with your significant other yeah that's another great one um let's see so i mean we're we're, we're very thankful that from the start we work on different parts of Levitate style. From the start, I think through trial and error, we realized that like we need to stick to our strengths and our weaknesses. So if I am more the creative one, I'm the more big picture person. I'm the one looking through influencer platforms to get us campaigns or I'm talking to my managers. I would deal with that part. And Alicia is more introverted and she's more technical. So she would deal with Managing the website, managing accounting, managing invoices, managing SEO, uh, managing Pinterest. So where our strengths are, we have to rely on those things. So that's already number one, I think, over the years learning. That's great. And and then two, especially work-life balance when we're traveling, I think doing a lot of research on my part helps a lot. So for example, if you want to take a certain photo of the Eiffel Tower, well, yeah. which angle, uh, which yeah. location, which, what is the money shot? Yeah. And, you know, as travel bloggers, we, we want that money shot. That money shot, once you do the research, you know exactly where and when during the day, then it makes your travel a lot easier. Because once you find that spot, you're there. Honestly, it takes like 15 minutes to get the shot. And, yeah. you know, uh, unless you're trying to do something completely new and creative, obviously mm-hmm. that 
that'll, that'll take like an hour. You're just walking mm-hmm. around aimlessly. So I think like having that money shot, having those things in mind makes it a lot quicker and easier. Okay. And for example, like Alicia loves cafes and bookstores. So like that part of the culture of the city. So we'll spend middle of the day to do those things, uh, especially. And then I don't really post nighttime photos. So mm-hmm. usually sunset, after sunset, after golden hour, that's kind of like the hard stop. Like we're not shooting after sunset. That's great. So the rest of the night, you're good to have a dinner, relax, do your stories. So that to me has been a good like work-life balance, especially when it comes to travel. That's awesome. And then you travel a lot for work. Do you feel like you've taken a real vacation without the camera and without everything in a while? Um, to me, like, it, it doesn't really matter. Like, to me, the work-life balance part of that is like, yes, it's a work trip, but it, I mean, it feels like a vacation too. Um, right. So like, work doesn't feel like work, you know? So like, to me, it's, all of this is all just amazing and fun. When it comes to like press trip and work trips, depending on how long the trip is, I usually try to stay at least a day or two after That's just great. to do our own thing. So, for example, like the past trip, we went to Vegas with Creed Fragrance. So, mm-hmm. it was amazing. Like, we were already doing a lot in Vegas. We did like two, three days. But then I've always wanted to go to the Antelope Canyon. Antelope Canyon and the Horseshoe Bend. Yes. So I've always wanted to see that. And I've read recommendation that it's best to just take like a tour out of Vegas. Okay. So, I was like... Uh, why not? Like that's I wanted to cross that off my list, and I don't go to Vegas. You know, I'm not going to Vegas all the time, so yeah, I just extend my trip for like two more days, um, and then we got to do that and cross that off our list. So that makes it so much more fun because it's like the first few days it's like technically a work trip, but then the next two days is just by ourselves doing our own thing. Mm-hmm. So that's that that's always been nice to be able to add on those days. Yeah, no, I love that. It sounds like you have a really good balance. I'm like so glad to hear. And now, are you ready for the lightning round? Oh, yeah, sure. Uh Uh-oh. Lightning rounds are hard because I like to think about things, you know? I know. So the lightning round is about to happen. This is where you think about (laughs) (laughs) it. It is where you think quick and say the first thing that comes to mind. But if we we have a conversation, that's okay, too. (laughs) Okay, okay. All right. Let's let's see. I don't know these questions at all, so. Yes, exactly. So... Favorite New York City menswear brand or designer? Oh, uh, off the top of my head, I'll say Saturdays and Supreme. I got to give credit to Supreme. Awesome. And then yeah. favorite menswear store. I guess that might be the same. No, actually. Oh, that's a good no. point. Menswear store. Uh, I love Todd Snyder and Ralph Lauren. Ralph Lauren yeah. stores is amazing. Always. Awesome. And then I don't know about, do you do thrift shopping? Do you have a favorite? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. What's my favorite? Um, I love Buffalo Exchange. Like, that's like my Sunday routine. Like, I go to church, I get, I I go to church, I get my coffee, I eat my sweet green, and then I go to Buffalo Exchange. Um, Yeah, that's definitely my go to. I've gotten a lot of good stuff from there. Awesome. I'm so, so cool. And favorite place to buy sneakers? Ooh, um, I buy a lot of sneakers online, but um, Flight Club is cool just for the experience to walk in and there's just walls and walls of shoes. I think it's cool to like see the shoes you really like in person and then maybe find a better deal online. Cool. And then, <laughs> um, <laughs> I love it. That favorite place to take streetwear photos? 
Oh, uh, you can't beat Soho. I think Soho is beautiful. Yeah. There's a few like signature shots that you can get in Soho within walking distance. And of course, like I love Dumbo. Dumbo is just so beautiful and like historic and epic. Yeah. <laughs> so that's that's my two main uh, suggestions. Yeah. Do you have a favorite spot in Dumbo for photos? Oh, ooh. I honestly just like take turns because I, I shoot there so much. Yeah. Um, let's see. So I, I think everybody knows like the main, main money shot. Not that one because that's like <laughs> the Times Square of Brooklyn now. Um, yes, I, love, I love like a few blocks away from there. Um, I don't know how to describe it, but there's like different really nice shots with like the Manhattan Bridge. And then there's another, there's another shot like towards the water. But mm-hmm. on the right side of Mahan Bridge, yes, way less people. But you get to, yes, you get to see like both bridges, and you see more of the city. Yeah. Um, I would honestly just like venture away from all the crowd because you can easily get an empty, clear shot with the bridge, and it's beautiful. Agreed. No, I think I know which one you're talking about. It's if you keep walking on the you know your spots. I know yeah, you do <laughs> on the right, and then there's a little. It's kind of like a little bit of a like a mini pier area. Like yeah. overlooking, it's just so beautiful. Ah, oh, exactly. no bad, bad. Oh, I, you know this one I was thinking. Yeah, it's the the Mahan Bridge Arch. Is yes. that what it is? Yeah, on 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 either side of that, it looks really nice. It's not super oh. crowded, so I I love those spots. That's awesome, love it. And then favorite pizza place. Ooh, um, ah, uh, shoot, I forgot what it's called. <laughs> okay, so. <laughs> Fun fact, even though I grew up in New York City, I don't love pizza. What? <laughs> uh, maybe the Asian in me, I don't love pizza, but Alicia is gluten-free, and we go to this one spot that is really good. It's in Soho. Ah, oh, forgot what it's called. Feel free to, like, Google it or look it up on your Ruby phone. Rosa, Ruby Rosa. Ruby Rosa. Oh, okay. Awesome. Yeah, so good. Ruby Rosa is actually really good. I highly recommend that. Um, but then, like, in Dumbo, there's also the two... Um, Really popular ones too. <laughs> yeah. So which ones? Which ones? Uh, I forgot the names of the one in um... Grimaldi's and Juliana's. Yeah, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> yep, those yep. two for sure. Yeah, th- yes. those are really good. So I'm so good. spoiled. Like there's so so many great pizzas in New York. And I'm just like, eh. But there's yes. a lot of great pizzas here. Yeah. Oh, I love <laughs> it. and then so then, what is your favorite food in New York? Ah, uh, my favorite food in New York. I mean, I got to give love to. Chinatown there's just so much good food there you know growing up Asian I love a good value and I don't think there's anything quite like value for the quality of food in Chinatown there's just so much like I I love dim sum I love Vietnamese pho I love hot pot um there's just so much food and that's why I stay away for the most part because I just love eating (laughs) so for the most part I always try to eat healthy but like if I was to go for like a nice meal I it's usually in Chinatown Awesome. And so now that's Chinatown in Manhattan, not Chinatown in Flushing's Queens? Chinatown. Ah. Oof. (laughs) Cause you grew up in such a great area for all that food. To be honest, I think Flushing is better. Yeah. Yeah. I think Flushing is better. Where should we go? For Flushing? Yeah. Uh the New World Mall, the like the underground mall is just so many stalls. Uh there's there's a bunch of like super sketchy looking dumpling places but i bet dude those are the best because you can get like 
what three dollars for like uh six or twelve dumplings it's just incredible uh there's there's a spot there's like this underground like food hall thing right across from the library in flushing it's it's a little less like busy i think that's the original um shoot what's the what's a noodle place uh anthony bourdain has visited um but yeah that's one of the good spots it's this underground food court across from the library Amazing! Oh, sounds great. It sounds great. I'm gonna add that to my list. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you have a favorite dessert spot? Dessert spot? Oh, um, or ice cream spot? I love a good cheesecake. So I actually really love Junior's cheesecake. That's okay. definitely one of my favorites. Uh, I love Dominique just because it's so creative. Yeah, Dominique Ansel. I don't honestly. I don't even like cookies normally, but I love Levain's cookie. Oh, like that's favorite. a must. And um, yeah, I think those are like my top top for ice cream. I love big gay ice cream. Yes. Yeah. Great answer. Yeah. I love this. Yeah. 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 I've, been, I've been around. Good. I'm so glad. <laughs> Sometimes people say they don't like dessert, and then I'm just like, oh, so sad. Um, <laughs> most expensive thing you've ever eaten. Most expensive thing I've ever eaten. Oh. Probably one of those steakhouses. Yeah. <laughs> Probably one of the steakhouses. And, uh, and I'll be very, very truthfully, thankfully, I've been sponsored because I do not spend money like that. It would have to be like a crazy milestone anniversary celebration for me to spend a lot of money. But thankfully, we've been invited to some steakhouses and, you know, you can order some crazy $100 steak and they gave us some $300 bottle of wine on the house and i was like oh damn but the steakhouses if you really want to treat yourself steakhouses are great especially ones with like the seafood tower too oh my god wow damn yeah those are good so good least expensive meal least expensive uh i mean it's gotta it's probably like the one dollar pizza or even like the lamb skewers or like the beef skewers um in like chinatown it's like a dollar fifty but it's like so much like spices and seasoning other good budget ones um halal guys i mean i've been eating halal guys since i was like in high school so that's always been my favorite oh it's so good same i also went there in high school <laughs> before oh, nice. it was popular. yes and it was yeah so- oh back then it was like six dollars though yeah. I was like eight, I think. Oh, that's a bummer. I know, and now the lines are too crazy. Yeah, it's pretty oh. crazy. Yeah. Do you have a favorite hidden gem? Hidden gem, man. Are there hidden gems anymore? Uh, <laughs> I just feel like there's so many food bloggers and like travel blogs now that like you know obviously covers all these amazing things. Yeah, but I'm scared to say it. Then Uh-oh. people are gonna go. I'm just kidding. Uh, uh- yeah, I, okay, like, there's, 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 there's there's two, and I'll I'll only say two because like I'm also new in my uh, Brooklyn neighborhood now. Okay. Um, one, I love Butler's Cafe. There's a Butler's Cafe right across from the Time Out Market. Ooh. All right, it's already busy on the weekend, so don't everybody go. But <laughs> it's amazing because you can sit there, have amazing coffee, but you have the view of uh, the Brooklyn Bridge. So I love that. Another one I highly recommend in the Brooklyn area is on Atlantic Avenue. It's called the Yemen Cafe. Oh. It's super local. You go in there, like 75% of the people are locals. And I found it recently because I was like, oh, I've never had like Yemen Yemeni food before. So 
first time there and just amazing food you know just great prices for the quality of food you get um so highly recommend that great recommendations thank you <laughs> i love it <laughs> um and then favorite do you have a favorite broadway show Oh man, you're asking a lot of hard questions. Jeez. <laughs> um, okay, so I have probably like two of my favorite. Um, it's yeah. funny because we were just like looking at like the list of Broadway shows we've seen. Yeah. Um, okay, I have like, I think Lion King is definitely like a must for anybody. It's yeah. such a classic. But I highly recommend Aladdin. Ooh, I haven't seen Aladdin. Yeah, Aladdin is really good. I think, you know, some of these Broadway shows obviously is a classic, but then the other ones like Aladdin, it's very interesting to see how they can translate the magic from the movie into real life. And I think Aladdin actually has done an amazing, amazing job. And also funny story too. Um, yeah. With Aladdin. Uh, this was like four years ago. This is like when I first started the blog too. Um, I just bought Aladdin tickets out of the whim on like a two for one deal. Yeah. And right. the, the 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 funny thing, and this is like tying back to, as an immigrant, I didn't grow up watching these Disney movies, so I actually booked Aladdin Broadway show without seeing Aladdin. Oh my gosh! And Alicia was like, "What are you doing? Why why would you book a two for one? Two for one is for the popular shows, not the new show." And I'm like, "This was like the summer when like Robin Williams passed away, mm. and I saw like a viral video where like the whole cast did a really moving tribute, and I was like." I want to go and support them. Yeah. Um, so literally the night before we watched Aladdin <laughs> and then we went to the show and the cool part was when we went in, they were like doing some promotion. So they're like asking us like random survey questions. And then like five minutes later, the lady's like, Oh, you know, thank, thank, thank you. You know, you get this keychain. I'm like, Oh my God, we got a keychain. And then like 10 minutes later, she comes back. She's like, actually we want to upgrade your seats to like the middle uh, orchestra like the best scene in the house i'm like uh yeah yeah and then she's like, oh afterwards like we're gonna give you like a backstage tour you get to meet the cast i'm like oh my god like you know you hear these stories of people upgrading and like these things i'm like never happens to us yeah so they're like yeah so we want to upgrade you and do all this but there's a catch we just need you to go on stage and just like thank broadway week thank disney for having us and they upgrade our seats and we're like okay sure why not like this never happens so the show ends is amazing show. And then we get on stage and the genie was like, oh, this lucky couple, you know, got their seat upgraded. They, you know, genie granted them a wish. And we're like, okay, okay. You know, getting stage fright, of course. And then the genie was like, well, they think they're only here for the tickets. But Disney is going to grant you a wish to all pay inclusive vacation and we're like what like we're freaking out so yeah we we had a choice to choose between disneyland disney world or disney alani in hawaii and we freaked out on stage we're just like stunned and like and that's how we went to hawaii it was just like crazy uh yeah new york story i always have to thank aladdin for that and then like afterwards we asked them oh yeah this is so amazing like are you guys doing this all week they're like no we just wanted to do it on this random thursday night (laughs) and yeah and uh, it was just incredible um and they actually there's actually a youtube video of us because like disney did like a whole video of the whole thing 
so um, cool. Yeah, so it was really cool. So I actually have that too to like look back on. Um, so it was just so cool. <laughs> wow, that's I love that. So, it's such a cool story. Oh my gosh. Ah, um, favorite? Do you have a favorite building in the skyline? Favorite building in the skyline? <laughs> um, wow. Oh man, I. Uh, Damn, that's hard. To, how, how do you choose between the World Trade or the Empire State? Yeah. It's kind of hard. Yeah. I, I, I can't true. choose. I mean, I have to say both. Okay, totally. <laughs> and then, <laughs> do you have a favorite place to get views of the skyline? Yeah, I highly recommend Top of the Rock for sure. Okay. Uh, I want to check out The Edge, the yeah. the new one. Yeah, I definitely want to check that out. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, and I, th- I still think Top of the Rock is the best view because the yeah. Edge, the view of the Empire State Building specifically was not great. No. It's kind of like the skinny side view of the Empire State Building. Yeah. Um, it's kind of cool the way that the edge has the corners and like photo opportunities. But I still feel like if you only have an opportunity to go to one, I think yeah. Top Rock still beats it. The edge kind of reminds me of like the, I think the Burj Khalifa, I believe that's the name in uh, Dubai. Yes. Yeah. With, with, the, with, with the way the, the windows if yeah. It was a, yeah, with, with the way it's structured like that. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'll definitely want to check that out when uh, things yeah. are not as crazy. Um, so true. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And that our next section's coming up soon. Almost mm-hmm. done with lightning round. Uh, favorite park? Favorite park? Hmm. Favorite park? Uh... I mean, I gotta say Central Park because it's just there's just so many things in Central Park that you can see. I also actually really like Madison Square Park. Yeah, that's a yeah. great. It's very yeah. chill. It's you know you're near Shake Shack. There's a lot of great cafes, and you have a dog park, so that's cute. Agreed. Do you have a favorite bridge? Bridge. <laughs> favorite bridge. I like Brooklyn Bridge over Manhattan Bridge. Yep, it's classic. Yeah. Favorite yeah. museum. Favorite museum? Uh, definitely the Met. Yeah, I was thinking about MoMA because, like, I I grew up on the MoMA more because okay. it was like very accessible, and I went a lot when I was young. And I really love modern art. I think that's you know that's our time. Yeah, and I that's that's very inspiring. Obviously, you gotta love the Met just because it's like you you're essentially traveling through the world in the Met. Yeah, and kind of looking at the art throughout history. So obviously, I appreciate the abundance of all the amazingness there. Definitely. And do you have a favorite season in New York City? I think, ah, man, that's tough. That's the beauty of New York City, though. We have all the seasons. Um, (laughs) I mean, I I think it's so easy to say fall, but I also really love spring. I I just think, like, this is such a nice weather to be outside. But I personally love summer in the city because the days are so long. You can be out all day. You can be out until like 9 or 10 and then sunset. And just like growing up in your city, like summertime, you know, I'm always out and I get to enjoy it. Um, summertime is like, oh, I don't, I, don't, I don't necessarily like to travel out of New York City during summertime because I, I enjoy it a lot in the city. Same. I totally agree. And um, where's your favorite neighborhood you've ever lived? Ooh. Um, I mean, I lived, we, yeah, so we just lived in Astoria for like five, six years. I loved Astoria just because it's still close to the city. 
and it still has like a nice neighborhood vibe because there's a lot of locals in the area so a lot of like local businesses so i enjoyed that a lot and there was a lot of good restaurants a lot of good cafes um but i also love dumbo right now just because it's so accessible to to you know to, to the water to the views and it's like very motivating Totally. And so now we are going to go. So you did a great job. We're going to go into our next section. Awesome. <laughs> yes. Which is, um, you know, right now is it's a terrible situation with the pandemic. And I also hope that my audio isn't different as you're my first interview, um, which isn't in person, but across the internet recorded on Zencaster. I hope that you know, the audio is great. Um, and thank you again for agreeing to talk about the pandemic. Um, let's start with uh, talking about what have the past few weeks been like for you? What Walk me through learning about this and the New York City shutdown. Yeah, I think when we first learned about it was just to keep washing our hands, right? And this was like two, three weeks ago when I think like we started to notice the numbers in Italy rising. And obviously Italy is... Another uh, huge country and busy city, just like China, just like America. And I think, like, even that, like a few weeks ago, you know, when we were first going to events and had to do meetings, we were already avoiding hugs and we we're like not high vibing, just like maybe an elbow. And people were already kind of like joking, like, haha, elbow, you know. But <laughs> look how quickly everything got escalated. Um, I think Thursday, like, I don't even. I think two weeks ago, Thursday night, we went to a Broadway show and that was the last night Broadway shows were happening. And then I think that night, uh, I'm a huge basketball fan. So as an NBA fan, obviously found the news with that. They were already recommending players not to high five fans and strictly personnel only. But then that night, one of the players got tested positive and that really hit home for me because as an athlete, um, if you're an elite, elite athlete and you got... The coronavirus that means that nobody is um you just never know anybody can get it at this point yeah and so that really hit home to see just how serious it was and then next thing you know the nba season was canceled and next thing you know um broadway shows are shut down all the entertainments were shut down and it's just crazy how fast everything has changed and literally like week by week yeah. And even but even looking back, it was like this has not been fast enough. Yeah. No. You know? Um so what it's 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 only been a week since bars and restaurants were closed and only takeout. Yeah. But now it's only been I think technically like this past weekend was when like a like a real lockdown, like people can't really, yeah. really be outside, right? Like, like none- yesterday, Sunday, they go into effect to say only non-essential um, employees uh, are allowed to be working and it's now much stricter. But, I, you know, I almost wish that it, it had gone into effect a little bit sooner. But yeah, it's it's been crazy. I also, Thursday was my last time going out to an event. It was uh, the opening oh. of The Edge and I got to see The yeah. Edge. But then, um, you know, they were cleaning. They were definitely being extra cautious. Um, mm-hmm. But it's definitely all of a sudden it was that. And then um, to see some people still going out on the weekends was really sad to see that on Insta stories. And, and now we're officially socially distancing, staying home. Um, what has it been like for you um, to go grocery shopping and things? Um, so we've gone out grocery shopping like twice. So trying to do like just once a week. 
Yeah. And um, not this past Saturday, but like last Saturday, we went to Wegmans. We try to avoid Trader Joe's because I think everyone's going to Trader Joe's. Yeah. And a lot of the stories I've seen, Trader Joe's, like the line is out the block, which it's not social distancing. Agreed. And then Target, I've heard, is just mopped. So we're lucky enough that there is like a corner deli shop, which is great because that, in a way, you're supporting local business and you can just grab and go the stuff you need. Amazing. And then, um, yeah, we got to Wegmans, honestly, just like, what, 10 days ago? And it was still busy, but we were still keeping distance um, mm-hmm. and just grabbing the things we needed. Um, but since then, like, at this point, I mean – it's the same mentality from even two weeks ago, like keeping our distance, keeping safe, but it is scarier because I just think like the spread is getting crazier. Yeah. Um, and I am sharing, I'm just trying to do my part on my platform to share as much news as I see, as much articles I see that people need to realize how severe it is. I think this whole situation is kind of crazy too because it's literally like two sides of a coin. Yeah. On one side is like, everybody just stay home. Just have, you know, have fun at home. Don't go outside. Like, entertain yourself at home. Like, it's what you see on social media is a lot of people just, you know, like being positive, which is good. Mm -hmm. But I don't think we realize how severe and how negative the other side of the coin is, which is our hospitals are overwhelmed with patients. They're under, under, underly protected by... They, they, they just don't have enough masks and gloves and things like that to protect themselves. So, like, nurses and doctors are working so much and they're, they have to reuse masks, which is crazy. Yeah. And now that it's two weeks in, some of the nurses and doctors are getting sick. So, if you really, like, think big picture, the yeah. impact, like, what, what are we going to do when this healthcare system cannot work? And on top of that, there's no doctors and nurses to help us because they're sick. And yet, on the other side, you have people just casually going out still. Like they're they're not realizing how severe it is. So I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to post as much news, both positive and negative, for, for people to realize how big a deal this actually is. Agreed. And I think you're doing a good job. It's it's hard to be an influencer in this time of of crisis when people are looking to you to figure out, oh, what's happening in New York? What is it like? But then also uh, an escapism as well as the information. So I think it's it's a difficult but tricky balance of, like, I loved your video of, like, you know, Monday, your TikTok video. Oh, the Monday, Monday. Tuesday. <laughs> yes. And it's, you know, you do have to have fun with it and, like, say, like, here, this is me and my girlfriend, like, getting mm. through the week day by day, but we're staying home, which is great inspiration for other people to create cool videos like that. Um, mm-hmm. I thought, you know, if I made a video of that, it would be me in the same sweatshirt every single day. <laughs> <laughs> yep, it would just not change. <laughs> uh-huh. But then, um, yeah, I think that it's it's very difficult because people look to us for, you know, help with fun, you know, ideas of what to do and, and things like that. Um, and so you are working from home with your significant other. Do you have any other tips for how to do that? You've already been doing it, but any tips for that or fun recipes you've been trying? Yeah. I mean, we're thankfully we've been working together for so long mm-hmm. and we figure out good personal space, how to work from home, like efficiently. Mm-hmm. It's not, you know, it's not just sit on a couch with your laptop because that does not last very long it's not comfortable yeah so i think like we've already figured out a good way to work and balance 
Um, it's thankful, like thankfully we both have very different interests. <laughs> I <laughs> love playing video games, so for me, this has been a nice way to balance my leisure time and just half at it, just 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 enjoy myself and watch movies at, at night, watch shows at night. So it's been a good routine, and then like just having a balance, like I'm still working on campaigns trying to make things happen and i'm doing a few podcast interviews these past few weeks just to keep working at it for alicia she loves painting and reading and playing the piano so she's balancing her time doing those as well Mm -hmm. so it's like during the day we're doing our own things having our own interests so it's been a good balance in that way yeah so yeah it's, it's been pretty good Awesome. And then how are you going to be creating content from home? Yeah, so the definitely like a change in strategy. So I think a lot of the campaigns now will probably focus on working from home, um, how to still wear and dress comfortably to be efficient at, ho- uh, at home. Ooh, so like, I, I need that. Thank you. <laughs> I, I mean, like, I think like in the past... It's so easy to just wake up and like be in a robe or like I don't know, not wear anything and just work from home. But it's like it's such a huge mindset change if you just put on a hoodie, put on some pants, because you feel like you're in a different work mode. So I I, I noticed that that has helped a lot, and obviously having like a routine things like that. So the campaigns will all have to change because it's gonna have to focus on you know, what everyone else is doing in, yeah. in, in reality. Um, but a big part I'm pushing as well to all my uh, future campaigns that we're definitely donating part of our money towards the Food Bank of New York. That's so great. So I think we've nailed down the number. I think we're trying to, you know, depending on how long this is going to be, um, we're trying to provide like 10,000 meals to Food Bank of New York. That's wonderful. I'm yeah. so glad to hear it. That's so great. So what is it like, unfortunately, to be Asian-American right now with this current situation? Yeah, it's really stressful in a way um, because not only are you dealing with the virus that's spreading and then not only are you thinking about the economic meltdown that might come in two months, but now I'm dealing with the news of racist attacks. Like it's really sad to see all this news happen over and over in different parts of the country. It's not just New York. It's not just San Francisco. It's not just, you know, it's like all these cities and towns, no matter how diverse those states are. So it's really sad to see that people are, I I don't know, like taking advantage of this, like using that as an excuse to attack someone, to place the blame I don't know. It's really sad when you shouldn't even be outside. You shouldn't even be near anybody. But yet, um, yeah, it's sad to see all these videos and news that people are just getting yelled at, uh, cursed at, uh, people get punched, robbed. Like, it's it's, it's crazy out there. So it's a lot to deal with. But I think the more I can use my platform to share this news... I mean, there's only so much I can do, but to share it to let other people know what's happening. Mm-hmm. And then obviously, like the whole thing with the Chinese virus uh, by the president, uh, which Terrible. is crazy. Uh, like th- just different stupid things we have to deal with right now. And then let alone, this is where already, this is already a thing before the virus was spreading that it was 
more of a racist virus spreading, you know, like people are purposely not going to Chinatown to the restaurants because why? Like it has nothing to do with the restaurants. So a lot of the local businesses are suffering as well. So, you know, the most I can do is just keep spreading the news so people are aware of what's happening. And, you know, it's this is not going to get better if only Asians are supporting Asians, you know? Like, it's important to have allies and people in different races to chime in and to support us as well. Agreed completely. And how can we help other Chinese businesses and Asian Americans fight all of this? I mean, I, I think right now it's really just keeping up with the news and sharing the news and letting people know, like, this is important, you know, because it can easily just be swept under the rug and people don't pay attention to the news or it's not shared with, like, mainstream media. So I think, like, if you see something like that, definitely share it so other people know what's happening. Um, I think I think we're all trying to figure out maybe in a month, like, what businesses are really affected and how we can help with organizations. So I think like time will tell with, with that. Yeah. Agreed. Thank you. Um, and what are some things you're excited to work on now that you have more time at home? Yeah. So there's, there were a few, there were already a few things I was working on prior to all of this. Um, just doing more podcast interviews, sharing people, my story and kind of honing my public speaking skills so I can maybe take it to the next level. So kind of build my resume with that. I can't. Another one. Thank you. And then another one, um, just kind of been working on like a clothing collection, more like a merch collection for Levitate style. And that's all new for me too. Even though I was in finance and then I I work on uh, fashion side, I've never really built like a brand or even just learn how to make, you know, t-shirts and hoodies and things like that. So just been like dipping into that and taking this time as a learning process, setting up a shop, things like that. Um, but yeah, those are the two main things I was working on right before all of this. That's, that's well, so you have a lot of good work to keep working on. I can't wait for the launch. That'll be so exciting. And what is the first thing in New York City, a thing, a place? What is the first meal you'll have on that first day when everything reopens? Oh man, I don't know. Maybe I'll just I'll probably just run to Chinatown, and just eat everything, yeah, uh, just enjoying the freedom to be outside and not to worry about everything. You know, go go to my local cafe and just enjoy being outside without like a time constriction. You know, like we've only been doing like a ten minute walk every few days, yeah, and trying to walk away from people. So I think like the local businesses will definitely. We'll definitely need the support right after this. Agreed. Definitely. And any other last words of encouragement or inspiration for our audience who are oftentimes, you know, looking to move to New York City, visit New York City? Um, Any other last words? Yeah. uh, Moving to New York City. I mean, I think (laughs) I think everyone should move to New York City. I think everyone will should come and figure out if this is for them or not. You know, uh, maybe you love a busy, busy city. Maybe you love the constant energy, the diversity of people, the different types of people you meet in all kinds of uh, jobs and background. Maybe you love that. And maybe you realize that you hate that and you want your personal space. You know, there's different things to figure things out when you come here. And there's just so many creatives and so many different communities, you know, LGBT you know, you might be from a small town. Maybe LGBT is a big thing for you to find your sense of community. 
or maybe you want to pursue a passion in photography or food. Like, there's just so many things you can try here because they're all here. So, and like, I think just waking up, seeing the skyline, seeing the city just motivates me every day to do more. Amazing. I love it. Thank you so much. And where do we, where does everyone find you and follow you? You can find me everywhere. Instagram, TikTok, YouTube at Levitate Style. Perfect. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Yay. Thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's show, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. For more NYC resources like ebooks and videos, visit nyclocalguides.com. Stand clear of the closing doors, please.